It's time for another episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And FranServe, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at FranServe.com. Now, here's your host, certified franchise consultant, Pamela Curry. Hello, this is Pamela Curry, the host of Franchise Business Radio, coming to you from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. Uh, just a reminder for our listeners, the Franchise Business Radio Show is mission is to have a platform to bring together franchise professionals to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and those considering franchise ownership. And today I'm very excited about the guests that we have um, on the line. And the reason is, is because this is a topic that I frequently bring up to many uh, candidates and clients that I'm working with who are considering franchise ownership. And the topic is this, there is always a performance gap within a franchise system. And it's very important as a franchisee to understand why. And that is going to be a key topic that we are going to be exploring today with our guest, Scott Greenberg. Uh, I'd like to give a little bit of background on Scott, and then we'll go ahead and get into the interview. Uh, franchise expert Scott Greenberg helps franchisees improve their leadership skills and grow their business for more than two decades now. He has worked full-time as a speaker and franchise performance coach, giving presentations in all 50 states and throughout the world with franchise clients that include McDonald's, Great Clips, Anytime Fitness, Wyndham Hotel Group, Remax, Smoothie King, and countless other emerging mid-size and large franchise organizations. Scott specializes in the human elements of franchise operations that include franchisee mindset and the brand culture, employee management, and coaching, and customer experience and retention all very important in order to be a successful franchisee. Uh, Scott, it's my understanding for the past 10 years, you've been a multi-unit franchisee with edible arrangements. Uh, yeah, I actually sold them a few years ago, but for a little over a decade, I, uh, I had two edible arrangements franchises here in Southern California. Wow, but what a proven track record you had there, because in addition to that, you were you actually built a top-ranked flagship located in Los Angeles, uh, and it's my understanding that you acquired a second struggling location and made it profitable within the first year. Yeah, that was the real test of what we knew. That, very that impressive. worked well. Yep. Uh, and uh, your operation, you won the Edible Arrangements Best Customer Service and Manager of the Year Award uh, out of a thousand locations worldwide. Congratulations to you. Thank you very much. Uh, and you sold, like you just said, your enterprise in 2015. And now today your focus is full-time on speaking, coaching, and writing for the franchise industry. Uh, Scott, it's my understanding that you are the author of a new book. Would you like to share the title of that book? Well, since you asked, yes, it's uh, <laughs> called The Wealthy Franchisee, Game-Changing Steps to Becoming a Thriving Franchise Superstar. 
Wonderful. And, uh, and obviously you are a VIP and contributing writer for entrepreneur.com. Uh, so again, very excited to have you on the show and really looking forward to diving into some of these topics and, and how we can help, um, those franchisees in the community be more successful. Uh, but first things first, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey in franchising. Sure. So long before ever opening my first edible arrangements, I was uh, already a professional speaker. It was sort of more straightforward motivational speaking about leadership and resilience and peak performance. And uh, it was going very well, but it did mean a lot of traveling. And so uh, before I knew it, I was married and we were starting a family. And two things occurred to me. Number one, I didn't want to have to continue to travel as much to support my family. There's no point in supporting a family if I'm not going to be with them. So the intention was never to quit speaking, but to maybe kind of downsize the speaking business a little bit. So that meant getting another stream of income. The other thing was that I found a lot of motivational speakers, they quote other motivational speakers and they read other books, but they haven't actually done anything themselves. And <laughs> I didn't want to be one of those people. I wanted to be able to be in the weeds, have some real experience and find out what's really what, what really works, what's true, and what are cliches. And so for me, the idea of opening a business was meant for it to be as much a leadership laboratory as it was a stream of income. Mm. And franchising was appealing because it's more scientifically sound. You can look at all these locations doing the same thing. If I could identify the variable that was associated with performance, well, then not only would I learn how to grow my business, but I could use it to help other people grow theirs. So um, I saw an airline magazine ad for edible arrangements. And before I knew it, I was uh, on a plane for a discovery day and Started writing lots of checks and uh, <laughs> signing an agreement and uh, began a 10-year journey in the franchise world while still speaking. And then that evolved into franchise speaking. So wow. suddenly I was exposed to a lot of other franchise brands. And I always interview franchisees before I speak at their conferences. And so I've met a lot of franchisees and I've identified the patterns of the best of them. Mm. Uh, and that's what all my work is about, understanding what makes top franchisees so great and how we can replicate their performance. Very cool. We identified the patterns. And I want to talk about that as well. Uh, but, but before we do, you wrote the book, The Wealthy Franchisee. What is The Wealthy Franchisee? Well, there, I define it in three ways. Um, obviously, you know, there, there's a hook in the title because what franchisee doesn't want to make money and get wealthy, but there's a little more to it than that. So in chapter one, I explain there's three criteria to be a wealthy franchisee. The first one is that you're making good money for the investment that you've made. Um, now, how much is good money? It depends on you know where you live and what your expectations are. But ideally, you feel good about how much money you had in your pocket at dinner compared to breakfast. So mm -hmm. you should be getting a good financial return on your investment. The second thing is uh, is your time. You might have two franchisees who are both making $100,000, but if one's doing it working 20 hours a week and the other's working 80 hours a week, they're not the same. Right. So the second criteria is that you're not a slave to your business, so you're in control of your time. Mm. And the third one is quality of life. I've met some people who hate their business, and every day they wake up and they're just sick to their stomach at the idea of having to um, have this in their lives. And so I don't think we should live that way. So I've met a lot of franchisees who are making good money, who have balance, they're in control of their time, and having your business makes their lives better. So you have to check all three boxes to meet my definition of being a wealthy franchisee, but many people do, and it's truly something that's possible to achieve. I like that. Return on investment money, uh, time, being in control of your time, and quality of life. 
Definitely yeah, helps. Yep. I, I, I think they're really important. And, you know, the problem is those things aren't reflected in the profit and loss statement. You know, you look at the expenses, it tells you financially how much the revenues cost, but it doesn't show how many Little League games and ballet recitals you missed and how many <laughs> arguments you had with your spouse because you're so stressed out from the day. But those are costs of running a franchise. And so I really think that all three of those criteria are important to have longevity as a franchisee. Very good point. Uh, yeah, a business is not just about the money. There are a lot of other variables that have to be taken in consider- into consideration. Uh, with, with that being said, what what do you think are sort of, I guess, what I would consider to be the myths about why some franchisees succeed? Can we debunk some myths out there? It's such an important thing to talk about because, you know, everyone is, you know, calling and looking at the top franchisees to kind of replicate what they're doing. The problem is, is we make a lot of assumptions about them or ask, you know, the wrong questions. And honestly, a lot of wealthy franchisees themselves don't know why they're successful. Hmm. You know, if you talk to them, often the conversations are disappointing. I, you know, I, I um, was uh, hosting a uh, awards banquet for a franchise system. They have five different brands and their best franchisees were on stage. And I asked each one, hey, what did you do the last year that enabled you to succeed? And they said things like, well, we do a lot of marketing. We treat our employees well. We go out in the community. Well, I mean, who isn't doing those things? <laughs> That's not the secret to success. That's the prerequisite. They themselves didn't know why they were successful, but I could tell from talking to them, it was something much more rooted in the human element that they bring to their business. Well, because we don't look at those things, we make assumptions about why they're successful. And often we're wrong and so we don't replicate the right thing. So the most common incorrect assumptions, the first one is location. We look at a great franchisee and say, well, they just have a terrific location. People would sometimes say that about my first edible arrangements. It was just outside of Beverly Hills. So the, what people envisioned was that we had all these you know, millionaires who were lined up outside with stacks of Benjamins to you know, blow all their money on fruit arrangements. That wasn't our customer base. And, and those people didn't get wealthy by you know, blowing all their money. Um, they didn't look at our customer service or other things that we were doing. Mm-hmm. What I learned from many and interviewing some of these great franchisees is most of them have adequate locations, but they make them great through higher levels of service and for providing a great experience. And I met, you know, and every franchise brand has stories of people who took over struggling locations and turned them around. So mm-hmm. wealthy franchisees, when they expand, very often they buy very mediocre locations, but they make them great. Um, so look at it, So if you have a great location, it certainly can help. You want to fish where the fish are, right? You sure. want to be close to the right demographic and have exposure, but sometimes those locations aren't available or they're not affordable. So mm-hmm. a good enough location is good enough and wealthy franchisees prove this every day. That's the first myth. Second myth is that they're slaves, to their business, that they just live there. They have, you know, that they are just work day and night, 24-7. That's just not true. The, these great franchisees who I interviewed and write about, they take vacations and they go to their daughter's, um, you know, volleyball games mm-hmm. and they're home for dinner and they have time to run multiple locations. You know, the people who I meet who have 50, 60 businesses, they don't have any more hours in the day than someone who just has one. So they don't work hard as much as they work smart. So uh, that is a myth that they have to be slaves to their business. Many franchise think, franchisees think the top people, they, well, they have a lot of business experience or a lot of formal education. If you have business experience where you've learned about marketing or motivating employees or bookkeeping, these are transferable skills. But I mean, a lot of franchisees who don't have that. Mm-hmm. And some franchisors told me they don't like people who have a whole lot of business experience 
because those people have a harder time letting go of what they know and embracing the system. So there really isn't a lot of correlation between someone who has a lot of experience doing something else and succeeding in franchising. And same thing with the formal education. Um, I recently went on a college visit with my son, and we met with a professor in their business department, and she showed us a list of all the classes he would take if he majored in business. And the first thing was like statistics. And there's a lot of other things that were very academic, very theoretical. And those classes have value. They're just not going to prepare you for running a franchise business. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I, I saw plenty of people have, you know, maybe they're just high school graduates or maybe their first thing they've ever did, you know, the college was they were a manager of a, you know, a franchise and eventually they bought one themselves. So you don't necessarily have to have a ton of experience, or a lot of education to succeed in franchising. The final myth I like to discuss is that you have to have a passion for the business. I ran two edible arrangements franchises. We did very well, but Pamela, I have to make a confession. I'm not especially excited by fruit. <laughs> I wouldn't say <laughs> I jump out of bed in the morning thinking about apples and strawberries. Uh, it's fine. Right. Now, what I did like, though, was, was the celebration aspect, helping people celebrate important occasions. That I thought was cool. I think mm-hmm. you have to appreciate and love something about the business, but it doesn't mean you have to be passionate about frozen yogurt or senior in-home care or um, pest control in order to be successful at those businesses. So, so anyway, there's a lot of myths that are, are out there, and I think it's important we look beyond them so we can replicate the right things so we can get the same results. I'd, wow, well said on a lot of different fronts. And I really like what you said about, uh, I guess, myth number one, a good location is good enough. Uh, and that's why we see so many situations, and you personally experienced this, where there might be a distressed location, but then a new operator or franchisee comes in and is able to turn it around. Uh, it, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. There was a franchisee who from the UPS store, massive franchise system. He's had five locations. Twice he bought struggling locations that were very, their geography was very mediocre. One of them was two doors down from a FedEx office store. Mm-hmm. So the biggest competition was like right there. On both, in separate occasions, both locations, he made them the number one uh, store in the entire UPS store system yep. through, great, through great customer service. Every franchise brand has these stories. Like that, and I and I'm, I'm, I that kind of makes me think of the next question. But I do want to just point out the passion piece. Uh, you're done debunk that fourth myth we were just talking about. Uh, there, there are a lot of business products or services that, like you said, really is the not maybe what you exactly get excited about, right? Commercial cleaning, painting. I mean, these things aren't exactly what you might get excited about. Maybe it's not the product or service, but there's an element within that business model that you can get passionate about, whether it is, uh, like you said, the celebration um, of, of what you're offering or the uh, creation of jobs. Uh, so there, there are different elements within a business that you can really get passionate about. So I just, uh, I just had to point that out because I really like that point that you've made. Did I yeah, capture that, that accurately? That, go ahead, Pamela. Oh, I just said, did I capture that accurately? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's really true. And, and, and your specific examples were, were right on as well. I met some franchisees who they really like the idea of taking an employee who is otherwise struggling in life and giving them a place to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with the product, service, or solution they sell. It's more about the idea of managing people. And that was something, especially as a you know motivational speaker, that's something I, I really loved as well, is really 
bringing out the best in a team. That got me excited. Fruit baskets, okay. But helping people perform at a higher level, that's my jam. So I, I was able to get that from my business. Uh, so, I mean, so based upon this, you know, what do you think? I mean, uh, you know, there are certain operators that are taking distress situations, turning around, making them top performing locations, and then you have the opposite. So what what are the biggest struggles you're seeing holding franchisees back? Again, it's such an important question. And I've now worked with so many brands and I met so many franchisees and I see these patterns. And what I've narrowed it down to, we have these there's three main factors that impact how our businesses perform. The first is everything circumstantial. That's the economy. It's the competition. It's the pandemic. Things we don't control, but we love to blame them because if it's circumstantial, <laughs> hey, it's not my fault, right? Yep. So, so there's that. And, and circumstances are real, but they usually don't tell the whole story because there's other franchisees in the same circumstances who are still doing okay. Mm-hmm. So what most people focus on is the second factor, which is everything operational. That's our policies and our procedures and our recipes and this, all the things we pay our franchisor to show us. And that's tangible. People like it because they can stay busy because they don't, they don't realize that sometimes busy isn't productive. Activity isn't productivity. Now, operations, they matter a lot. But what's interesting about a franchise is you can have a lot of people working equally hard doing the same thing, but still there's that performance gap. And the Mm -hmm. reason is because of this third factor. And this is where I see most struggles take place. It's under this third umbrella. And that's everything human. So it's the franchisee's mindset. It's their ability to inspire other people, their social skills, their ability to delight customers, their ability to create a uh, harmonious relationship with the franchisor. It's all that human stuff that directly impacts how we execute operations Mm -hmm. because marketing isn't just about advertising. It's about patience and managing employees. Isn't just about directing work. It's about inspiring and developing people and customer service can't just be about a transaction. It's got to be about a connection and Mm -hmm. knowing how to make people feel good because they remember what they feel more than what they got. Those are all human factors. So when franchisors call me to speak at their conventions and I ask them, what are you struggling with? How do you want to help your franchisees? Their concerns are almost always rooted in something human. It might be a resistant to, resistance to change, mm-hmm. or there might be trust issues, or they're very busy, but they're not necessarily productive because there's fear. It's all of that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. when I coach mm-hmm. franchisees, it's the same thing. Usually it's, it's less what they, it's it less an issue about what they know and it's more about how they feel. So what I try to focus on are these three areas where I see most problems. It's how the franchisee thinks, how the franchisee leads, and how the franchisee serves. And franchisors don't always get into that. They're too busy mm-hmm. teaching them how to make frozen yogurt and how to sell senior you know, in-home care hours and focusing on the, the, the products and the services and the solutions. They don't focus as much on the human side. And that's where franchisees struggle, particularly when it comes to managing employees. Every Mm -hmm. franchisor is afraid of being called a joint employer. So usually they're pretty hands-off when it comes to helping franchisees lead people better. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. usually most of them don't really know how to do it. So that's an area where I see them struggle as well. 
Yeah, that human yeah, that element, uh, think, lead, serves. And you know what? <laughs> you're making me think of 2020. You know, this that was a very interesting time in a very bi- bipolar environment. Uh, and a lot of fear crept in. And I really found that everyone responded to it differently, franchisors and franchisees. Uh, some figured out ways to pivot and thrive and manage to it. Uh, and others just froze. Uh, so it's. So true, Pam. It was interesting. As, you know, I, I was actually um, interviewed on somewhere else, and the before the interview, the person said to me, "Hey, I'm, I'm going to be asking you, you know, what brands are pivoting the most? What brands are doing better?" And we had the conversation. And I said, "Honestly, I would think it's more interesting is within brands. What's the difference between franchisees who are struggling and those who are thriving?" Mm-hmm. And all the virtual presentations that I've done, and I've done a few live presentations this year, if you can believe it, but especially the virtual ones. What the franchisors are telling me is we had an initial drop in business, but then we made some changes, mm-hmm. and some franchisees are embracing them and now are doing better than ever, and others are still paralyzed and they aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. And so it gets back to those human things where we really do have control. Um, but again, that's where so many people struggle. So what, what are some other main things that the wealthy franchisee does that enables them to succeed? So I've identified three categories, three main areas that um, are just make all the difference in the world. So the first thing that they do is they're really good at keeping a clear head. They have the same emotions and the same crazy thoughts as the rest of us. Um, you know, they can catastrophize and they can be fearful and they are human beings. They're going to react. Um, but they're really good at catching themselves having some thoughts that aren't clear or catching themselves feeling emotional. And so they stop, they breathe, they meditate, they take a walk. They're good at centering themselves to make sure that their decisions are made based on data and information and on a clear perspective rather than emotion. Mm. And so what that means is not only do they not give in to you know, negativity and fear, they also don't give in too much to hope and optimism and, you know, rose-colored lenses, because we can make some pretty bad decisions just based on positivity. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it, the wealthy franchisee doesn't see the glass as half full or half empty. They see the glass as having four ounces of liquid. You know, if they approach it objectively and they make their decisions from that point of clarity. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I've noticed, and this is hard to talk about with franchisees, but wealthy franchisees really do stick to the system. And that's what I encourage franchisees to do. And, you know, franchisees have an independent spirit. They don't like being held, you know, to, you know, to be compliant, be held to standards. But the reality is we've outsourced the innovation, the creativity, the research and development of the franchisor. Our job as franchisees is to execute. So if you have a franchisor that has a proven model and they've replicated it, um, you, you're going to mitigate risk by just sticking to that system. As soon as you deviate, you're exposing yourself that risk you paid to mitigate. So, you know, with edible arrangements, I occasionally would disagree. I disagreed with them when they came out with the perfect pair. I knew that would be a disaster, and it was. I disagreed when they came out with chocolate-covered bananas. It was a huge hit. Hmm. When I disagreed with them, I was right about 20% of the time, and I realized if I was willing to fail with them 20% of the time, I could succeed with them 80% of the time, hmm. and that was pretty good batting average. Yeah. So. I, so really, I just what I've noticed is I've never met a great franchisee who said, yeah, I got rich by deviating from the system. Yep. They partner well with the franchisor, they're engaged, and they, they stay within the model. Very good point. The third thing is that they use their business to improve the lives of everyone it touches. 
they generally want to use their products and services and solutions to enhance the lives of everyone, whether it's you know, taking their employees and really trying to improve their lives and developing them, developing their skills and making them leaders, whether it's not just selling a product, service, or solution to a customer, but really trying to enhance their emotional state to make them feel good. And they don't just serve their community. They don't just, you know, sell their products to their communities. They really serve their communities. They're active. They donate time. They donate stuff. Um, they they market via cause marketing. They really see themselves as members of the community, making it better. And when you put all that value out into the world, there's a boomerang effect. Whether it's more loyal employees, more loyal and repeat customers who do your marketing for you or a community that's always there for you and sending customers your way. There's a, there's a boomerang effect there. So it's one other thing that I observed from all these great franchisees who have profile in the book. All of them are active in their communities via their businesses. So mm-hmm. they keep a clear head, they stick to the system, and they use their businesses to improve the lives of others. That truly is a winning formula. I like all of that. Like it, all yeah, that. it kind of goes back to that human element, that third one. You had the uh, the thinks, leads, and well serves, right? That that kind of falls uh, or integrates with that as well. Yeah, and the average typical franchisee, they just stay busy. Yeah. They just, they're in the transaction business. They work hard. They work long. They, they're busy, so they think that they're doing all the right things. And really, they're just they're busy and they're active. They're not proactive. They're not, you know, growing their business. So how how did you approach and go about writing your book? Well, you know, the book was a result of, you know, many years of studying these things, applying in my own businesses and giving all these presentations. And, you know, for years, people kept saying, hey, do you have a book? When is your book coming out? And so it was nice that there was a demand for it that was already there. So a lot of it were based on things I already knew, but I didn't just want it to be from my perspective. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, over the years, I've made notes of some really amazing top-ranked franchisees who I've met. And then when the book came, then I contacted a bunch of people in the franchise world and asked them to introduce me to their top franchisees, mm-hmm. all of whom meet the criteria. All, most, almost all of them rank number one out of however many franchisees they have in their system based on sales. But also, there are people who have that quality of life. They're in control of their time. So I interviewed them. I also um, spent the first three months of the year, I got the book deal in mid-January and didn't realize that I would only have about three months to fly around and uh, interview franchisors because the pandemic would make that impossible. Mm. So um, fortunately, I got those done. So I also met um, with some great franchisors, some of whom I already knew, some of them who I met through this process. So, you know, I had a great breakfast with Peter Cancro, the um, CEO and founder of Jersey Mike's. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent time with um, uh, Gordon Logan, the, um, the chairman and uh, C- uh, former CEO founder of um, uh, Sport Clips Haircuts. Okay. Um, the last person I interviewed uh, was Catherine Monson, the current IFA chair and the mm-hmm. CEO of Fast Signs. She was the first person to not shake my hand because of the pandemic. So <laughs> we bumped elbows and a week later we were all stuck at home. So I really spent a lot of time um, interviewing people, making sure that what I believe was true, that they agreed with. And so the book is not just my perspective. It includes interviews with a number of franchisors and profiles of some of the top franchisees out there, um, seeing what they all have in common. And when you read the book, it's pretty clear the characteristics and behaviors all of these people share. Yeah, it kind of gets back to, I guess, when we kicked off the interview, you really identified those patterns. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, when you meet enough of these people, it's kind of obvious 
what it is. And, you know, most people in the franchise world, they're really deep within their own business or their own brand. Mm-hmm. I had the experience that that arrangements, but because of the speaking, I was, I've been exposed to a lot of people in a variety of industries across a variety of brands. And that's when you start to see what doesn't matter what they're selling. You see the things about them that are consistent and that's where the magic is. So Scott, what, what are some of the things that you offer to help franchisees perform at a higher level? So everything I do is about helping franchisees think, lead, and serve more effectively. So the obvious one there is the book, um, and I appreciate you uh, asking the question. So the book is there, wherever books are sold. Um, But I also offer presentations, both live and virtually, whether it's keynotes or workshops, I moderate um, and facilitate uh, so that's that's really the main thing that I've been doing for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do one-on-one coaching with franchise business owners who really want to go deep. And I'm in the process of developing the Wealthy Franchisee Business Breakthrough Program, which is going to be, it's sort of a course that will be um, video and discussion, uh, exercises, reflection, and most importantly, action to help franchisees take their business to the next level. So that hopefully will be available by the end of January. Mm. Um, so look for uh, some promotion about that. But I'm really excited because that's really designed to um, help franchisees take their business to the next level by really focusing the things that matter most. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, and you know what? It, it, it's an endless journey, just that constant sharpening of the saw, the, uh, the mindset, keeping it in the right place, uh, development. Uh, you know, you have to work on it. You have to make the efforts in those areas. It's, it's one of the, uh, it's part of the wealthy franchisee way. All mm-hmm. these people are constantly focused on personal, professional growth. And as you mm-hmm. say, they're constantly sharpening their saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if someone wanted to reach out to you and get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Um, so my website is scottgreenberg.com, B-E-E-R-G, um, B-E-R-G. Uh, also, thewealthyfranchisee.com, um, which right now points the same website. That will eventually be the home of the uh, Wealthy Franchisee Business Breakthrough Program, thewealthyfranchisee.com. So you can go there now. Uh, I'm on all the main social media channels. And on my website, you'll see my links uh, to that as well. Thank you so much. And just in in closing, any last-minute thoughts, additional advice that you would like to give to our listeners? I believe that the best ideas, the best solutions are found in the mirror. And that means being humble enough to... Um, to want to grow, to want to improve, to be open to the idea that maybe some days you're not an asset to your business and you're a liability, the willingness to be you know, humble enough to mm. look for answers in your own behavior, your own perspective, that's going to open so many doors for you, and that's what's going to help you be wealthy. So running a franchise does not have to be as difficult as you might think. Usually what it's going to take to get to the next level, it starts with what you do on the inside. That will get you much better results on the outside. Ah, thank you. Great, great last comment there. Appreciate that. And I just want to say thank you to Scott Greenberg for being on the show. Scott, very much appreciate all your insight and your sharing on, you know, how to become that wealthy franchisee. Wonderful to have you. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Absolutely. And I also want to give a shout out and and a, a thanks to our listeners for tuning in, along with our sponsors, uh, Franchise.City, A Better Way to Buy a Franchise, 
FranServe, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization, and Franchise Intellect, uh, knowledgeable advisors to help you with your franchise selection. And um, obviously, that's what I do. So if you're thinking about becoming a franchisee, let me know. I would love to be able to help you on the front end, uh, identify what would be a good business for you, and then we'll get you in touch with Scott, and he'll know how to help you go to the next level and become that wealthy franchisee that you're dreaming of being. Uh, thanks again. This is Pamela Curry, host of the Franchise Business Radio Show. Again, a platform to bring together franchise professionals to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and those considering franchise ownership. Thank you again for joining Pamela Curry and her guests for the Franchise Business Radio Show, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And FranServe, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at FranServe.com. Use the social media links here to share today's show and check out more episodes at FranchiseBusinessRadio.com dot com.